happy Tuesday, November 6th to everybody out there. It's election day. Please uh, make sure you go out and uh, do your civil duty. And uh, He said duty. <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, so anyway, welcome back to Weekly Impact Podcast. I'm joined again by Pastor Daniel and Michael. And uh, yeah, today we're in Hebrews 6, guys. Um, before we get into that, do you guys have anything you want to share? Anything that's been going on important with you guys? <laughs> I got nothing. (laughs) So uh, just to give uh, context, because we haven't done anything in Hebrews yet. So this is our first time we're in Hebrews. And um, I keep thinking of William Hung, you know, from Hebrews, Hebrews. Uh, But uh, that'll hopefully come out of my head sometime during the podcast, or it just might just you know dissolve into nothing but uh so the we don't know anything about the author of hebrews it's uh, the author's unknown so we don't know who it is one things we do know is that he was he had a connection with the apostles uh and that he is writing from a position of a lot of knowledge of the torah uh, so the first five books of the Bible and the audience that he's writing to has a lot of knowledge of the Torah. And so that's why I think this can be one of the more confusing books because it's a very, it's just full of Hebrew stuff and hence Hebrews, the name. And so it's, it can be like, I don't understand the context of this. I don't understand what's going on. And so we'll probably get into some of like, like, like understanding what's going on around this chapter, just so it doesn't feel like, okay, I just like dropped into the middle of, you know, college, you know, perf- you, know you know, like a high level master's degree in Hebrew and I have no clue what's going on here. Well, welcome to the club. Yeah, we're, I, we're in the same position. Let me just throw this out there. I, I did get a master's degree, not in, in Hebrews, but in theology, and I'm lost. This is hard, man. Yeah. This is, this is a hard, a hard book and a hard chapter. Is there anything else? Is that it? Context-wise, I mean, we could we could give a quick overview of the entire Old Testament, but I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> do we need to talk about Melchizedek before or after? Do you think because they do mention his name, but it's at the end of the chapter? We can. I mean, we can talk. Uh, uh, we can talk about like. So what the author of Hebrews is doing is he's comparing Jesus to these pillars of the Jewish faith, these things that were very instrumental in their belief. Uh, the first couple chapters, Jesus is compared that he's greater than the angels. The next couple chapters is he's greater than Moses. In this chapter, we're falling in the middle between five and seven. He's comparing to Melchizedek, who was this kind of priestly king uh, that Abraham ran into after he defeated the uh, uh, like a bunch of like five different kings, and it was a Sodom and Gomorrah thing. And it was it's just go back in Genesis and check it out. I think it's Genesis chapter thirteen, fourteen, maybe it's fourteen. And uh, anyways, so sorry, <laughs> everybody just like kind of like shrugged their head and just was like, I don't know. The Bible uh, wizard and, says chapter thirteen. <laughs> yeah, I think it's <laughs> actually I think it is fourteen. That's awesome. Maybe okay, but in a, uh, but anyways, and then um, and then the last section of uh, this part of Hebrews is that he compares Jesus as greater than all of the sacrificial system that the Jewish people had, and so. Uh, the author is strategic in that he is saying that Jesus is greater than the angels, which were the ones that gave the word of God to the people of Israel. It says that angels were the gave the revelation of God, uh, yeah. the Torah, everything to Moses was given to him by angels. So Jesus is the word. He is every. He's the revelation of that. He's greater than Moses in that Moses was the patriarch that brought the Israelite Israelites to the promised land. He was the one that was transitioned them from bondage to hope. Uh, and so Jesus is greater than Moses in that he does that not only for Israel, but also for all humanity. Mm-hmm. And then Melchizedek 
is this priest, and so he compares the priest system of the being made right with God. So the priest's role was to intercede on behalf of the people for God and to atone for their sins. And so he's saying that Jesus is greater than the high priest, greater in the order of Melchizedek, which is this interesting kind of dude in the Old Testament. And he, uh, and so that he is, Jesus is our intercessor. He is the great high priest. He is the perfect high priest. He doesn't need to atone for his own sins because he is perfect. And so he is the one that is the perfect, uh, uh, I guess, uh, mediator between us and God. And then the last one is sacrifices. And so he was, all the sacrifices didn't fully uh, cover the sins of the people. They had to constantly sacrifice. Now that is no longer necessary because Jesus was the is and was the perfect sacrifice. Uh, and so that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. And he's saying, because of all of these things, now live a life of faith. And that's how Hebrews ends. It ends with walking in alignment with these guys that trusted that God was who he says he was and that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is the one that we've been hoping in. So live accordingly and live in response to that. So that's kind of how I guess the it's Hebrews is constructed. So I don't know if I lost everybody and I'm getting a lot of blanks. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. That'll go ahead and wrap it up for the day. <laughs> yeah. So, so that hopefully that yeah. gives a little bit of context. And if you, if you do see anything that has to do with the old Testament, if you have questions about it, we're always available uh, for any of the context questions that you have through, if you're, as you're reading through Hebrews, but also you can look back on the Old Testament passages and read kind of around that and see what's going on and where the author is getting this comparison from. Got it. So this is Hebrews 6 from the Dwell app, which is available on all platforms. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely 
I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, Hebrews 6. Anything you guys want to touch on first? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we can... um, Do you want to just go ahead and go with one of the more controversial parts of this uh, scripture? Michael, we want to do that? Yeah, all right, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and hit on it. um, We have this thing about repentance and not being able to repent. So I'm I'm sure you heard that really... It comes to a head in uh, verse 4. You know, For it's impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. So like these people that did that stuff, right? And then they've fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him to contempt. So a flat reading and look, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a, a view on this that I believe, because I don't know. There, there's different things I've been pondering over, so we'll let you all think about it. But a flat reading of this basically says that there are folks that are Christians. They're, they're, they're living in the Spirit, right? And that they turn away. They, they basically abandon like this, this Jesus. And it says that they, they cannot repent. So like, oh, snap, what do you do with that? That's a super controversial thing, and people have been arguing over this for millennia now. <clears throat> so the argument really comes down to, and I'll try not to be too dorky about this, but the Armenians and the Calvinists, right? The Armenians will say, see, look, you can lose your salvation. Look, this guy was saved, and now he's losing his salvation. He can't repent. Told you so, right? The Calvinists will say, no, 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 no. Yeah, it says something about being in the Spirit, but this dude was never saved, Right? And this guy's not losing his salvation. He just never had it. So those are, the, those are the two major views on this thing. And I've been digging into this because it's super confusing to try to figure out which way is right. Now, before I get into the, to other thoughts on this, Daniel and I th- talked about this, and, and, I, and he brings up some good points too, that we have to look at the context of the wealth of Scripture that we have too often we take a verse and we say, see, look, like the Armenians do, right? Mm-hmm. When there's tons of Scripture supporting um, you know, faith, salvation through faith and faith alone, mm-hmm. maybe we should pay attention to the wealth of Scripture, and, and maybe we should interpret this through all of that. Yeah. So that's, that's just a thought. Now, there are other thoughts that I've had on this thing. One is the possibility, this is probably the most controversial one, but the possibility of hyperbole. And uh, Jesus, 
he mentions, you know, earlier that it's, it's, it's harder for a rich man to enter to the gates of, of heaven or to the kingdom of God um, than a <laughs> than a camel to enter through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of people, I'm wealthy in comparison to like most of the world. And so are, if you're listening to this on a podcast with your nice headphones and on your, on your, you know, nice $600 cell phone, you're wealthy too. And you are a part of the kingdom of God, I I hope, right? So it is possible. So (laughs) is it literally more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of of God than, than a, you know, a camel to enter? No. That wasn't Jesus was using hyperbole. He's not lying to you. He's just making an example. He, I like to joke around and say that he's being a drama king. He's <laughs> he's he's presenting some emotion and, he, and he's trying to to use something to um, uh, an example to to you know to give his, his point. Boy, I have I'm having trouble talking today. <clears throat> little little. There we go. Now, so this might be happening here in Hebrews. There might be some hyperbole that he's saying, "Look, it's terrible, and if." If if you turn away, you're done, you know, and, and it sounds really bad. And then if you look, in the next couple of verses, in verse uh, verse nine, he says, "All right, though we speak this way, right? So though whatever it is that he just said, which we just talked about, what he just said, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things." Things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust uh, so as to overlook your work and love. And he goes on. The, the point is, is that, look, yeah, we, we, we said something crazy a second ago, but guys, I know that you're okay. So may, he, he may have been using that just as a strong example and letting the point be the point that don't turn your back on God. So it could be, it could be hyperbole. Another thing that I've heard said on this is that... Um, since since he does make that statement that um, you know though we speak in this way yet in your case beloved we feel and he goes on that um, maybe he's not talking about salvation at all maybe he's talking about repentance maybe this is a common sense statement about people not a theological statement about God maybe he's making a common sense thing of like yeah if you <laughs> if you um, are are a believer. And you and you maybe you learn some things that were false. Maybe you turn a different direction, and and maybe some things happen in, in your fragile little mind that sends you off in a different direction. That you feel like you are progressing. You're not going to repent. You're going to keep moving forward. Maybe this is more of a warning of being careful of what you're learning. And if you look at chapter five, where this thing starts, they're talking about milk versus meat, and and like difficult stuff versus easy stuff. If you start piling on the difficult stuff before you understand the easy stuff like salvation, you're in trouble. And and if you start you know, learning all these things that you're not ready for and you progress in the wrong direction, you're in trouble. You're probably not going to repent. So I don't want to say which one of these four, I think, views I presented that I, I'm, I'm game for because I don't know. But But one thing I will say for sure is let's not let this scripture stand alone by itself. Right, there's a ton of scripture that talks about salvation and repentance, and let's read this in light of all the other stuff. So Daniel gave us a sermon at the beginning, and there's my sermon in the middle. <laughs> right? Yeah, and and I think that I just had a thought about this when I'm looking at this because the context or what really the high, the writer of Hebrews is really doing is he's elevating Christ and what Christ has done, and that Christ is supreme in all of these areas. 
And I think what's interesting here is just looking at this one more time, I'm wondering if the subject matter is not us, but the sacrifice of Jesus. In that, that the, the, what Jesus did and the power of what Jesus did on the cross is not, does not need to happen again. It is a once in a, mm. in a lifetime, full, complete repentance. It is everything, it, every sacrifice that needs to happen. See, because it talks about, you know, since they are crucifying again the Son of God, uh, like, I wonder if, the, if, if we're looking at it only from our perspective of, of am I going to get to heaven, instead of, whoa, actually, Jesus' sacrifice was everything, was, was everything that we needed, and so there's no, necess- there's no need to ever crucify Jesus again because it is full and complete mm-hmm. in, in, its, in its restoration and its redeeming and its reconciling wow. properties. Okay. I've just, I haven't thought about it that way before, but I was just thinking about it in the context of the fact that all of this is about Christ. And so, and okay, so let's be honest, it's, it's easy for us to then selfishly think about ourselves and how, what we're going to gain from Christ. And so we could probably look at it to, to saying like, okay, well, am I going to be saved or am I, am I going to get salvation out of this? And maybe we're looking at it and saying, no, like once, once you've experienced Jesus' repentance, it's good. Yeah, it's not like Jesus to, doesn't, doesn't need, need to, to be sacrificed again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know if that's a different thing. And, and like we said, we have so much context for uh, Christ's complete work on the cross. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. This is a gift from God. It's not from works so that no one can boast. So there's, it, Paul is pulling away from the fact that there's nothing that we can do to be justified. We're justified by faith. He talks about it all through Galatians. Mm-hmm. You know, And so there's so much about Christ being... His, his sacrifice being atonement, atoning for us, and the fact that he is being compared to the high priest here. And the high priest's job is to mediate for the people of Israel uh, and uh, to God, to reconcile God to people, God to humanity. Yeah. And when Jesus died, that veil that separated the Holy of Holies, which was the place where the high priest went one day a year for the Day of Atonement, was torn in two, top to bottom, Right? And signifying that it was no longer necessary for the high priest to come and to give atoning sacrifices because one atoning sacrifice, one and final atoning sacrifice was done, and now Christ is the one that mediates between us. And and I think that there's also that if you—and so the warning I think we're getting here is that if we reject that, if we reject the the fact that Jesus is the high priest, the the ultimate high priest, the one that will ultimately atone and intercede on behalf of all of humanity, and we reject that for something else, then this is our this is the consequences of the choices that we make, you know, and we're not going to be able to experience some of like the it talks about a land that eventually ends up being burned. That it receives so much goodness and grace from God. It talks about rain falling on it in verse seven, and it's as a, and that's a symbolism of of God's favor and God's mercy and love and His provision in that you know and all the blessing that's being poured on the land and it's producing a crop and it's a blessing from the God when it's cult when, when it's cultivated, but one that is is kind of rejected and not producing anything that's good, but it's producing like harm and issues and all kinds of stuff that eventually it becomes worthless and and it, it gets burned, yeah. you know, and that's kind of like the the symbolism of of, of judgment, and that there's, and, and so I think there's a there's a warning here that that man like reconciliation to God, peace with God is it possible, yeah. and it's possible through Jesus. Don't reject that. Don't don't hold Christ's sacrifice in contempt. You're, and, you're making too much sense, Daniel. 
I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> no. Well, it's good Stop because because what you're saying it, it, if you take it from that kind of perspective, then verse ten doesn't feel so awkward because mm-hmm. verse ten says, you know, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and love that you've shown in for His name and serving the saints as you still do. So, so the the background of this, of course, is that God is overlooking some of our works. Mm-hmm. Oh snap, that's not good, right? But he's not unjust to do that. Why? Because it's through what Jesus did. Yeah. It's not because of what you did. Mm-hmm. We, we put our faith in what he has done for us. It's not about what we've done for ourselves. It's not about our work. And uh, a kind of a, a cultural and historical you know, background for this is <laughs> the audience. We're talking about Jews who have 600 and some odd laws that they have to follow to the T to, to, under their covenant to feel like they've been justified no, for their own salvation. Mm-hmm. So now we're telling this group of people, hey, guys, it's not about your bacon or lack thereof. It's about Jesus. Jesus is, is higher than all this stuff. And, and it is it is justification through faith. It's not through your good works. God might overlook your good works. I can imagine being a first century Jew, reading that and going, what? <laughs> you know, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah. You know, I just did all this for nothing. Yeah. Like what? God's not unjust to overlook my work. Are you kidding me? All God cares about is my work. Yeah. So, so that I, I, I think you have a good point, Daniel. That that could be, you could have unlocked the, unlocked the door. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I don't think I did that. But, I mean, it was a radical transformation for people. It was a complete change in mindset, and I think one good thing to point out too to people is, for your salvation, no, your works do not matter for that. But it still matters what you do in this life. You know, I think that's oh, yeah. something that people might take away from this, thinking, well, it doesn't matter what I do as long as I believe in Jesus, you know? They're, no, you still have yeah. to do good things in your life. And and that's kind of like, Brent, that's a great point, because yeah. when we bring in context with Scripture, there's so much Scripture that talks about what you do with your life matters, yeah. you know? And what you do after, like, what with the gifts that God's given you, especially spiritual gifts, yeah. you know? And, uh, and so how you spend your time, that we're going to give an account for that. And so, yes, this is by no means absolving us by saying, all right, right, our atonement's good. We can just kind of eat, drink, and be merry. There's so much other scriptures that point to the fact that, no, that's actually not the case. Yeah. And so I think it's great to bring that up. I had a, I had an atheist friend that I work I don't had, I have an atheist friend that I worked with um, a few years ago uh, named David. I won't give you a last name because that'd be mean, right? <laughs> but but David... It's a very biblical first name for an atheist. <laughs> go yeah. figure, right? <laughs> last but, name, Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but, da- but David mentioned something with this that I thought was, was really, really important. If you need hell to motivate you to be a good person, then you're a garbage person. I like how you said that you're a garbage person. <laughs> garbage person. And David is right. If, if Look, if the only reason that you're nice to people is because you're afraid of going to hell, you're a terrible person. (laughs) I mean, Jesus or not, religion or not, just in general, if you need to be threatened for you to be a good person, you need to check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, man. John Chris says, check your heart. (laughs) Yes. And and so, yeah, so I think that... Like I, I just I just got the John Chris reference. <laughs> that guy's that guy's funny. I'm sorry, is. Daniel. No, 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 you no, I agree. Sorry, that was really awkward. Um <laughs> uh, I I agree. Uh so anyways, uh <clears throat> but 
I think so trying to take what we have, like what we're reading here in Hebrews and, and apply it to our own life. I think that there is just as much as Judaism was having a lot of issues melding with uh, grace through faith in Jesus as as the cornerstone of the faith of Christianity and the followers of the way. I think that we have a lot of cultural melding in our in our like society right now, our Western culture when it comes to how do we experience redemption? How do we experience atonement for sins? How do we or we don't even say those kind of words, but how do we make peace with God? And I think a lot of our culture will say that it's about the things that you do. If you do enough good works, if your good works outweigh your bad works, you know, you'll be fine. God's like a mountain. There's so many different pathways to get to him. You'll eventually get to the top. Just keep heading up or whatever it is. And and so I I think that with this, you see that everything that Jesus did answered all of the questions, answered all of the issues that, that humanity has when it comes to understanding truth, when it comes to experiencing peace, when it comes to experiencing hope, when it comes to experiencing reconciliation, and when it comes to experience forgiveness and redemption from our bad choices. Jesus is the answer to all of those questions. And so I think that there is there is a danger, just as the writer of Hebrews is kind of saying here, is when we begin to look at Jesus from uh, a, a non-supreme overall and the answer to all of our questions kind of viewpoint. And we begin to kind of meld Jesus with our own kind of thoughts about how we think that we can be reconciled or what makes a good person or different things like that. And so I, I think that this this comes to our culture in a different perspective in that the question is, who is Jesus to you and how does that impact you in your daily life? Because that's eventually what the writer of Hebrews talks about in response. What do you do? Look at all these been of faith. What are you going to do? How are you going to throw off the sin and the weight that easily entangles you? Is that Hebrews 12, 11, 12, 12? And run the I'm race. I'm terrible at remembering. I know. I'm, I'm struggling with it too. But I mean, and that's towards the end of Hebrews. Run the race. You know, run like looking into Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Throw off these things. Throw off this, these bad theologies, these conflicting ideas, whatever it is. And just fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and so I think that this is huge for us. This this book is big for us, for our culture, in that we can have so many other things that are going to distract us or that are going to uh, say that there's a, there's another way, there's a better way. Just do this, you know, self-improvement, self-enlightenment, all of these different things that are pointing towards our own measures of, of getting to God or mm-hmm. getting to that place that, you know, that place of atonement that we're, we're looking for, that peace with God. And it's only through Jesus, and it's only through Jesus. So throwing away all of those other things and f- fixing our eyes on Jesus is going to be the thing that's going to be the difference maker between us and between our culture. And and that's the difference maker in this author to Hebrews between those ones that were struggling with their Jewish heritage and truly following Jesus. And we see that in Galatians. I mean, Paul was literally saying some pretty— strong stuff yeah. when it came yeah. to these people that were trying to integrate this because Jesus, if Jesus is the only way then everything else is going to fall short of that or, every, or things are going to start conflicting that you know Jesus has to be supreme he has to be the one that is going to be 
the solution to the problems that humanity faces when it comes to being reconciled to God. So, so that's kind of like, even though I kind of transitioned away from some of like what we were talking about, I, I wanted to kind of at least bring it into a place where we could like have like an application discussion. Well, because, it's still the point. Yeah. It's still the, po- the point of, of this whole book of, of Hebrews is looking up to Jesus. And that's what you're talking about. That, that's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you. And you were right. It is Hebrews 12. Uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And Yeah, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. With, yeah. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's everything. He did it all. You know, and so... If Jesus did it all, then every then we have to be consumed with Jesus and everything that he did and everything that he represented and all the way that he lived his life. And and I think it's just honestly, I mean, we just get selfish when it comes to like the way we want to live our life and we want to do it our own way and we want to make kind of, kind of our own rules. And I think that's the challenge that Jesus always brings and that was the division that Jesus brought was that he was like, "Look, that humanity is is in an impossible situation until I came on the scene. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really what he did. I mean, he was like, yeah, you guys, I mean, everybody, humanity was dead in our trespasses and sin. And then, but God, who was rich in mercy, you know, sent his son Jesus to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, like this is, uh, this is, this is everything, you know? And so like, I think we can get really caught up with the, you know, with these little nuances, but really what the author is saying is Jesus is the one that is going to solve all of the issues that we have. And he's the direction that we go in and he's the person that we follow. And he's the one that we put our hope and our trust in. He is the pioneer and he is the author. He is the perfecter. He has done it all for our faith. A big, a big topic, a big Pauline topic is unity. And I think if if there's a one big takeaway from all this complicated stuff in Hebrews, especially here in chapter six, the crazy controversy, the Melchizedek, all this stuff that we, that we get all wrapped up in, is that if we can have unity by looking at Christ, we win. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's what we need. We need to we need to look at Jesus and and be unified in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, let me step outside of Hebrews for a second and just it always, I'm always amazed in these conversations and in the study that goes into these these conversations about how perfectly. Jesus answers everything, mm-hmm. everything. Like we've had conversations, Dan, you just said the answer to every question should be Jesus. We just had conversations what last week about the answer, like the, the winner of every argument should be Jesus. Like it just makes sense. And then if you just look at the way that he is the answer to everything, um, in some of my study for this today, they talked about, um, how, you know, the priest, they always said the priest should come from the line of, uh, was it Levi? Levi. Yeah. Through Aaron. Yeah. Through Aaron. And, and it actually says, though, that Jesus, who is Jesus, who is the highest priest in this priest king, they said that this priest that would be fulfilled through prophecy later would actually come from the line of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. So once again, Jesus is the perfect answer. And how do you get a book put together over all these years by all <laughs> these different people yeah. that somehow the one same person is the answer, the perfect answer to everything in it? 
I know the answer to that question, Brent. <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. Jesus. <laughs> there you go. Now, now, Brent's advice does not, if, if there's any of you kids, if a kid is listening to this podcast, then that, I'm amazed, first off. But any Good for you. Kids Welcome. And, and, any kids are listening to this podcast, that doesn't work. When we do a review question and we say, so guys, what did we study last week? And if we studied... <laughs> that was what, my thought exactly before Don't say... Jesus, when we didn't study Jesus necessarily, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna take it just one more because application to today. Today is election day, right? And it's also I, my birthday. Just oh, saying. feliz cumpleaños, muchísimas gracias, Daniel. <laughs> For our, our our Hispanic uh, listeners out there, or Spanish listeners, yeah, yeah, welcome. Uh, so um, that was about all the Spanish you will get from me ever. <laughs> And uh, anyways, um, bienvenidos. Yeah. So today is election day, right? And and I love that we're we're reading about crisis supreme over all of these things. Like these are big cultural issues that are going on with the Jewish people, right? That you know, angels, Moses. You don't mess with these these kind of pillars of the faith. Sacrifice, high priests. This is everything. This is everything to them. And Jesus is greater than that. And Jesus is the answer to all of those questions. And I think that right around the corner, and especially uh, why Jesus is compared to Moses is because Moses was the bringer of hope to the people of Israel. And why I think this is really important for us is because I think that we can, our culture can lose sight of who our hope is found in. And we can then make that to create division between us and as people. We can divide ourselves between political parties with different beliefs or whatever it is. And it says in Romans 2 that that Jesus broke down all the hostility between all people, you know. And and so this is I mean, it's important for us to vote because that's a great thing. That's that's a wonderful privilege that we have. But never, ever, ever mistake the hope of our humanity and the hope of our nation in someone other than Jesus. It has to be in Jesus. And, and, when, and when it is, then that means we're not dividing ourselves and I'm not pushing somebody else that doesn't, you know, vote, vote something a different way than I do because that doesn't matter because Jesus broke down all those walls of hostility because Jesus is so much more important than all of that. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that... Uh, today can be a day of controversy, and today can be a day where uh, things don't go the way that we want to. But man, who do we have? We have a high priest sitting right behind, right to the right side of God, interceding on our behalf, did everything that was possible for us to have godliness, and and, and gives us so much riches from spiritual blessings, gives us so much hope, gives us everything that we need uh what is there to be discouraged about? What is there yeah. to be d- dismayed about or be in despair? And guys, we have to throw away those things and fix our eyes on the right thing. Throw away the things that easily entangle us and, and take our eyes off of Jesus and fixate our eyes on Jesus because he is the hope not only for us, but for humanity. Yeah, I think the point, you know, the the general point of this is, Jesus is greater. You know, I love the fact that whoever wrote this through the whole thing, what you addressed at the beginning is, oh, he's telling these people, oh, you remember Moses? Mm-hmm. Jesus is greater. You know, yeah. you remember those priests? You remember Melchizedek? Jesus is greater. You remember those sacrifices that you had to make? Jesus is greater. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, in general, that's like kind of a nutshell. Like, whatever it is in your mind, Jesus is greater. Mm-hmm. Which means, which we should have no fear. We should ha- never be discouraged. 
you know, and obviously things may not go our way, but yes. But I mean, like, like we should then like put that hope constantly on display because who who can be against us? Yeah. You know, I mean, if God is for us, who can be against us? If he didn't spare his own son for us, won't he give us anything that we possibly need? Like, I mean, is there anything that we have to like worry about? So like, this is how we live. When we live with Jesus at the forefront and the focus of our mind, we will just live differently. And that's exactly what, that's exactly what our nation needs. Especially in the scope of eternity, Daniel. Yeah. Like I get it. Some of us, have lives that don't turn out exactly the way we want. And and sometimes things are just, you know, a mess. And you might die with things being a mess. And guess what? That's okay. You have an eternity to look forward to, mm-hmm. you know? Jesus is going to fix it. You're going to be all right. Even if it's not on this earth, you're going to be okay. In the scope of eternity, after a couple billion years, you're going to think about that year 33 on your life and how terrible it was. <laughs> I mean, how how important is that going to be to you? So it's going to be all right, you know? Hopefully not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. One of you guys want to pray us out today? I'll pray us out, sure. Thank right. you. Dear Heavenly Father, we, um, Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Yes, Lord, we thank you that, that you are greater than Moses. We thank you that you're greater than, than both LeBron James and Michael Jordan. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that you are Amazing. just... We thank you. We thank you that you're the goat in general. You're the greatest of all time of everything, and and we love who you are and what you did for us. We love that you sacrificed yourself on a cross, mm-hmm. and that you made the ultimate sacrifice uh, for us. And we love that you're the you're the greatest of of all high priests. You 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 are you are our Lord. You are Savior. You're Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we can't thank you and praise you enough for just you being you, because you're amazing. And I just want to end this prayer with praise, Lord. I just love you, and I just thank you for who you are. We love you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, guys, that wraps us up for this episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Just another reminder real quick, it is November 6th. Go out and vote today. And I would love to challenge you, when you go vote today, um, whoever you're voting for, just think about where they stand, what it is that they believe in, and um, just remember that Jesus is greater. So whoever lines up the most with Jesus... That's who you vote for, no matter what they ha- what letter they have before their name. So um, anyway, just uh, good luck at the polls, guys. <laughs> and yeah. we will talk to you next week. Have a good one.